from 18 months to two and a half years. What is that like, the journey of the toddler? What exactly do you need to know and be prepared for? We're going over that in this episode today. Welcome to Toddler Toolkit Podcast, the ultimate parenting guide tailored for the unique challenges of raising twins, multiple kids, or little ones close in age. Hi, I'm Heather, master's in education and proud twin mama of busy toddlers. You might have tried advice tailored for one child, but that's not our journey, right? With a decade of teaching experience under my belt, I've seen it all from toddlers to teenagers in the classroom. Now, as a parent to two toddlers, I'm experiencing the flip side of the coin. So whether you have two under two or just looking for tips that work in tandem, you're in the right place. Let's unlock the secrets to understanding toddler behavior, preventing meltdowns, and raising intuitive, resilient children who listen in two seconds. Hello, and welcome to Toddler Toolkit. Today, we are talking about the miraculous journey of toddlerhood from the ages of 18 months to about the age of two and a half. So if you have a toddler that is a little bit before this age or you're going through some of these stages, here is a looking glass into that. I will be sharing some things that we can look forward to through that age of 18 months or one and a half to two and a half, as well as some personal anecdotes and stories from my own twin toddlers during that time period. All right, so let's look at the rapid development that is happening and what are some key insights and growth during this stage. So for one, there is a big change in physical development. So that involves motor skills, being able to control their movement, climb, run, jump, all of those things that is really great. Like we look forward to them being more independent, but also those things that make it more challenging because we're going to see more risk-taking behavior. And if you're interested in learning more about risk-taking behavior, I have a podcast episode on that. That would be episode five, risk-taking behavior, climbing on the couch. But I also talk about some other risk-taking behaviors as well. All right, so we are definitely seeing the physical development, the gross motor, but we also see some fine motor. So that is your toddler's dexterity, you know, with their hands, what are they able to do, like turning pages in a book, building towers with blocks, or even starting to use eating utensils to eat, all of those fine motor, those little things with their hands. Okay, we also see a lot of cognitive development. There is an increase in language skills going from maybe being able to say a few words to being able to say sentences or phrases, two to three, four or five word sentences, depending on your toddler. Every toddler is different and is unique. And if you have concerns about language development, you can ask your pediatrician. We also see problem solving your toddlers start to kind of try to figure things out more. A lot of those problem-solving skills are figured out. If, if you look at the brain development of a toddler, a lot of these pre-math problem-solving skills are forming around the age of one, between the ages of eight months to two years. And it, that is pretty amazing and incredible because we're really not 
thinking that they are doing that, but that is the foundational process that their brain is going through at that time. And we're also seeing a lot more imaginative play start to emerge. Pretend play, pretending defeated doll, those types of play activities. We're also seeing a lot of emotional and social development for toddlers. They're, it, it's, it's so complicated, right? They're, they're getting more independence. They're wanting to do some things themselves, yet they're still very reliant on us and also navigating social situations. So while they might be interested in playing beside another child, some parallel play, we might see some early signs of cooperative play, but we also might see some stranger danger, right? They're not sure of certain people. We also see that they can start to understand some emotions and basic emotions like happy, sad, or mad. Also, some self-care type skills start to emerge depending on your toddler and when they're ready. We have potty training, which I have something coming up soon about that, which I'm excited to share. I will announce that in another episode. Stay tuned. So self-feeding, so that being able to feed themselves, dressing skills, uh, maybe they're able to help assist or show an interest in dressing or undressing themselves, become more independent with putting their legs or their hands through sleeves or pants or pulling pants down. Language and communication, which we kind of talked upon earlier. So that communication piece, they're able to understand more of what we're saying. This is so fascinating. And that is why I want to talk about real life examples with identical twin toddlers, my toddlers, to talk about some of these things like what I saw and how they were so different. They were similar in some aspects, but different in others. But being able to follow directions like, you know, pick up the toy and put in the box, like tidy up, clean up. They're going to be capable of following directions. Also, which following directions brings us right into behavioral aspects. So toddlers are going to feel like they want independence. They might be saying no. They might have temper tantrums or meltdowns. And we're going to see testing of boundaries. That is a way of understanding and exploring their environment. And as a fun side note, we also might see our toddlers are really into different things. Maybe they're into different characters, maybe different TV shows or engaging with different music and dancing and playing more artistically or creatively. And also like their ability to kind of do things like coloring and playing with Play-Doh or kind of more fine motor or more like difficult things like playing with sand and understanding how to play with sand. So these are all the like amazing changes that happen between just that one year. It is quite incredible. I know a lot of us hear of the terrible twos. <laughs> okay, we've heard of the terrible twos and we've also heard of three nature. So that that will have to be one of my next episodes in the future. But right now I'm kind of focusing on, you know, you have a toddler, they're around the age of one or so, 12 months or beyond. And, you know, you might see that looking glass before they reach two. You can, you know, we saw a lot of signs with our toddlers when they were 18 months, way before we got to those twos, right? Your toddler is officially a toddler at the age of one, but there's just so many changes that happen. 
So I'm going to run through some of the observations that we had. And I just got to say something like, I know we're always thinking about technology and our phones and things like we want to be more present with our kids, not on our phones, not always taking pictures. There's kind of like a little bit of that movement. And I was uh, listening to an interview from a researcher and she was saying how like pictures pictures are really important and all the she went into all the stuff but anyways it just really reminded me that pictures are really important because if i wouldn't have taken pictures i don't know if i would remember half of the things i mean sure i remember some of these things but i don't really remember when they happened everything just kind of blurs together and then there's things i forgot about so this was really fun i went back a year in my phone all the way to last year, like January 2023 and December of 2022. And it was just really fascinating to see how much they changed, like how much littler and smaller they were, but also like all the the different things that we did or the different challenges we had. It's easy to forget about some of those things and like how much changed in such a short amount of time. And uh, I'm glad I took those pictures because I know sometimes like I think about maybe less pictures, just be more present. But I got to say, if I would have taken those pictures, I really don't remember all those things. So anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting. And I am glad I did take all the pictures I took because it really did all blur together for me. And I forgot about a lot of things. With the new year, you might be thinking of some parenting goals for yourself or your family. I wanted to let you know I created Your Mom Journey Journal, which I absolutely love because it has some really important reflection questions. I don't think that you have to have a goal if you don't want one, but if there is something that's inspiring you and you have some intentions for the new year, I think this reflection is really helpful. So in the journal, we go through a mom reflection from 2023 And then we look at your new year journey as well. And if you would like to set some intentions or goals for yourself, I go over what actually makes a successful goal. Now, everybody is different. And so we definitely have to keep that in mind. What will work for one parent might not work for another mom or parent, right? And then I include a fun brain dump activity where you really get to know yourself, what matters to you, your strategy, and the steps that you would like to take to actually make it work, as well as offering support in my private Facebook community. You can get the link for the Mom Journey Journal in the show notes, as well as the Toddler Moms Collaboration and Support Facebook group to support you in the new year. All right, we are back. So when the boys turned 18 months, 19 months, they really love to help out. So they were noticing a lot of kind of like chores we were doing around the house, like laundry, vacuuming, and they really wanted to help out. They both enjoyed helping out. But I would say that Jace, my one twin, showed more of an interest of helping. Like he just kind of rose up as a natural helper. So he would like to hold the vacuum and try to vacuum. He liked to try to water the plants. He always wanted to be helping me out doing that. So that was really cool to see 
that they kind of started doing the imitating and the copycat mimicking, but it was a very positive experience. They also like to push buttons, which they still like to do. And uh, so the washing machine button, because, you know, every washing machine I'm sure is different. Ours has a button and to press on and off. And they just really want to push that button. And of course, it was, it's on the front part and in their reach. So that was kind of (laughs) the thing. If they ever saw the washing machine, you know, the door wasn't closed, they would run and go push the button. So that kind of thing was starting. They love to throw balls everywhere. Ball was one of their first words around the time that they were one. And so, and they've always liked balls and throwing them around kind of like harmless at that age because they weren't as strong. They were a lot shorter, but that really progressed over the year. (laughs) So not comparable to now by any means. Also, we started seeing some meltdowns or tantrums starting to happen over certain things that they wanted to do. So they got obsessed with like the light switches in our house and they wanted us to pick them up, hold them and turn the light off, which we kind of built into their routine in a positive way, like at nighttime and turn the light off. If we visit grandma's house, they can ring the doorbell, that kind of thing. But that was not enough. There were instances where they were just having tantrums and I couldn't hold them up all day (laughs) to turn on and off the lights and just play with it. So it's like that was not really working for us. So we did see some of those early meltdowns start to happen around that age. And we did get super creative with some of it. We taped and installed a, a battery operated light switch very low, close to the ground that was, yeah, just battery operated, not electric. And uh, so they could do the light switch then. And anytime they wanted me to pick them up to the light switch, I would be like, okay, yeah, we can't do that, but you can do this. This is what you can do. So it kind of was a redirection to that. So sometimes we can get creative with things and it can, it can help alleviate. And yeah, other times we, you know, we would want to use a different distraction that's something different, not a light switch. Okay, we can't do that right now, but let's play with this sound puzzle. You know, that's what I call a two-second solution. It's when, and and I talk about that in my course, Meltdown Mastery, the listening and skilled toddler. If you want to find out more, you can look at the links in the show notes and get my guide, my three steps to less meltdowns. But anyways, yeah, it it's just kind of like one of those things that that did start to develop happen. And that's when having appropriate distractions really, really helped out. So around 20 months, so now that is February of 2023, they went through this phase where, you know, before the stroller was all great, but there's like all of a sudden no stroller. We don't want the stroller. <laughs> they didn't want to get in it, but they loved the wagon. And so we, we got this radio flyer wagon through a buy nothing group on Facebook. So you might have one of those in your area. Anyways, it was super nice, convenient to have and that the boys like to be in it. So we would take walks around. It's a little heavier. So I definitely have seen wagons that are like lighter, easier to push and people like to bring them around when you know you go out, if you're going out to different places and parks or they, they could be way more lighter, convenient to carry. The radio flyer is 
it, it was heavy. So it, it's not something that I preferred to take them far in. But I just noticed whatever, you know, whatever resources you have, a wagon just seemed to work better. So I don't know if you can relate to that or not, or if your toddler always liked the stroller. I'm interested to know. <laughs> so let me know. So that was kind of a new phase. And I did notice like I wasn't able to get out on as many walks with them as I used to. And, and so that was kind of, I was like, oh man, I'm not getting the same amount of like workout in because they're really not digging the stroller, which this was a phase and they went back to liking the stroller. So it was only temporary. It also noticed it didn't really work out for them to be side by side. And when we're talking about twins here, the same exact age, identical twins, it might be a little bit different situation for you. I'm curious to know how it, it is for you. If you join the Facebook group at the bottom, the link is in the show notes. I would love to hear how this is for you. I think it's super fun to talk about the differences in our toddlers as they develop through the toddler stages and phases. So yeah, being in the cart, like going shopping, being in the cart side by side, sitting next to each other, because sometimes they have those carts where they both have a steering wheel or they could both sit in the same cart for two children. Those just did not work for them. And they would end up just like hitting each other. And it was better to have them separate when possible, <laughs> their own cart. <laughs> so then we reached 21 months. Now it is March. It is like spring is coming and we live in a warmer area. However, it's still a bit chilly. It's still a bit chilly where we live in March and can be very rainy. And the same with April and even May. So they went through their like flower picking stage then, which progressed to later. And I would say through the summer and the fall, fast forward through time, they started, especially Jace, but both of them wanted to pick all sorts of berries. If there were like wild berries in the backyard, but like this one time we were out at the park, they're playing and Jace got a hold of some berries and it was just like in a split second, his whole hand was covered in like just juice. <laughs> just like it was all over, like stained everything, like hot pink. You know, I had to, uh, I think I had I had some water with me and I, I washed his hand. I just like dumped the whole drink out, the whole water out, <laughs> washing his hands and then like proceeded to Google, you know, the berry and that and found out it was actually mostly harmless. Obviously, you don't want your toddler to consume it, but in small amounts, it's it might be OK. Like, so it's like, oh, great. So this is why, you know, we've learned like toddlers can become picky eaters. And part of that mechanism is to protect them from eating foods that are not safe. And he did not put it in his mouth, luckily, going kind of along with that. But he did still explore it and just just like the berries and juice everywhere. So that kind of thing started happening. Also, like because there are flowers, all the bugs and the bees were out and we had, the, you know, hornets and wasps and all sorts of uh, buzzing, stinging creatures. And so, yes, that is another thing. A lot of the parks and playgrounds just totally in our area, at least just totally covered in flowers and bees. And so that that journey was fun. I, I, you know, I've got stung. I stepped on a bee because I was wearing flip flops. And then the boys got stung two separate occasions. And we were just walking past some bleachers. And 
the the bees just like hide out and come out and then sting you when you go near them. So that's not fun. And then we need to avoid those bleachers or that area. But all of those fun things, right, in March, but also with their age, they're more explorative. So it's like, just be mindful. We also learned if you get stung in the hands or the extremities, way more likely it's going to swell up pretty big. And so, because the swelling has nowhere to go, so it just swells out. So <laughs> lots of interesting lessons there with toddlerhood. And um, they also really loved the library at this age, which was really nice because I noticed at this stage, our toddlers being very busy boys, they really like activity, highly active, like getting out of the house and like the stimulation of that. And it just felt like staying in the house all day, we would just gonna go crazy. The library was really fun for them. And depending on your area, your library might have a children's section. We're lucky ours does. And they also have different toys, books, puzzles that they can play with. And they do like a different theme every few months of like a different play area. Like they do like a play vet or they do like a taco stand. So they do all these different kind of fun things where kids can play. And sometimes they also host toddler classes as well which we enjoy doing too. And when they turned two, we also, we enrolled them in at a just two story time, which was like a 30 minute class. And it was, it was so perfect because they get to play. It's short, but they also get to be around other kids. And I found that really fun and they do songs. And, but anyway, so back to this 21 months March, we like taking them to the library. We like taking them to outside areas areas where you could go and play that was just I mean the park is the playground and park is good but we enjoy taking them to other places especially on the weekends so depending on your area you might have a place where they have like a little kids place uh, play place and like an outside eating area those were our favorite places to go as a family and the boys could play there are some breweries you don't have to drink you know that have outside green grass some of them or a lot of them can be cement and not as great, not as great for kids. But we just kind of noticed that there were a few, at least in our area, maybe there are in yours, that they can play. They have grass or woods or like they just have like little areas where the kids can just be out in nature and play. But they also have a bunch of picnic benches so you can bring snacks. You can the adults can eat the food trucks or whatever food is served at that place. So we found some different places that that have that, and those were staples in getting us through some of the toddler stages during that time. We also had the toddlers. So Jason Skyler, they love to run into the street. And because there was two of them, it was very reinforced. And I actually had an episode where I talk about, you know, why do they do that? Like, I think it was my why behind the behavior episode, the why behind the behavior. I believe that I had talked about running in the street, why they do it and what to do about it. So if you're interested in learning about that, you can listen to that episode. But the running in the street almost lasted a year. And so because it was twins and a lot of times it was just me around during the, you know, the daytime, my husband being at work, I really had to be very careful because I have a story in the beginning of their their toddlerhood. Um, when they first started really running, 
I was taking them and I I tell the story in that episode, but I was taking them to the neighbor's house and on the all of a sudden they just decided to run into the street and I chased them and my phone fell out. It like cracked to a million pieces, my screen. I was able to catch the boys and get them back. And from that moment, I pretty much decided, yeah, we, we need to have a strategy for navigating the street with two very fast running toddlers and just one of me. So we had to use a lot of different strategies to navigate those situations. But that is something that really I didn't see go away until November. Okay, so that was months and months and months. It almost felt like it was almost the whole year. When November hit of 2023, that's when I could have them in the front yard. They're just running around the grass and they they understood like cars, be safe, more of an understanding, which we're talking about. So, and it's something we talked about a lot and they understood stay in the yard, stay in the grass. So no longer running into the neighbor's yards, no longer running into the street and a lot more safe. I'm able to have them up front and that be fine or able to have them play in the garage. You know, we have space in the garage where they can play. We can have the garage door open and that's all good and fine. Don't need to worry about them running away. Another thing was stranger danger. So <laughs> that is something else that emerged during this time. And noticed that it was like specifically more towards certain people, like a certain neighbor in particular. All neighbors, mostly stranger danger, you know, when we're out in the stroller or the wagon, because I did have to mostly contain them. Like I said, like I couldn't just walk around with them because of two of them and very fast opposite directions. So they would like to hide, like they would duck down or hide, you know, and, and you know, I never force interactions with neighbors. They didn't have to say hi. They didn't have to you know, we always encourage, but not force, right? And so that that stage really started happening then. And also noticed that a lot of the playground, sometimes the playground was not enjoyable. And, and they definitely had that stranger danger a little bit more, obviously with adults, like teenagers were kind of okay. Kids were definitely okay. But adults, especially adult males, not that great for them. the boys were not so sure about them. And so sometimes they would hide or sometimes we just say like, okay, this isn't really working out for us. Why don't we go to the baseball field or the grass, kick the ball around and we can come back to the playground when they're gone. So we kind of just had to navigate around and just let them kind of warm up over time with stranger danger. I also felt like their toys, now every toddler is different, but I felt like their toys were bigger. I know some toddlers might have smaller toys. The boys at this time had kind of, you know, not small little toys, but they just had like medium to bigger toys. And I just got this giant felt bin with a divider and just, you know, chuck the toys in. And that was really cleanup became so easy. I feel like we overhauled all of their younger toddler toys, kind of put them away or sold them or whatever. And cleanup became so much easier. It was it was like this easy stage of cleanup and their toys. But I know every child is different, has different preferences. So that may not be your experience. And that's totally okay. That was just at that time for them. And uh, that big felt bin worked for, for us at that time. So now we're on 22 months. It's April. We are hoping for warm weather, but it still can be chilly. <laughs> we couldn't quite do water play outside yet. But 
the boys were ready to do sand play at about 22 months in April. So we had like a sand pit in our backyard and they would scoop the sand. And that was really, really fun at 22 months for Jason Schuyler. We also like to do bubbles a lot. Bubbles is like one of my favorite kind of chilly in between weather activity because it's still, it's still fun to do, but keeps you dry. So for the most part, I mean, you could get solution all over you. That wouldn't keep you very dry, but it is a favorite like fall spring activity. Bubbles love it. At this point, our pediatrician had said the twins' language was a little behind, a little bit on the lower side. So this was around 22 months. And she said something to me that really struck me. She said, twin moms are probably surviving and they're more likely to just give their kids what they need, their young toddlers, their young twins, what they need, instead of having them request and use language. And as a former teacher, I found this quite upsetting that that could be true. So that really gave me some perspective. And I kind of, you know, pulled on all my teaching, pulled on all my knowledge and said, hey, I know what to do. And that's how I developed 15 Minutes to Milestones. And those lessons are included in Meltdown Mastery, the Listening and Skilled Toddler course. You can check the link in the show notes to learn more about that. I, I came up with a method. We didn't do language lessons and things like all the time. We just did fun play and we did it for 15 minutes and we only did it once to a few times a week. And the results were amazing from that. It was very targeted, targeted learning play. And the boys language just really blossomed after we started doing that. And that's kind of what I tell parents too, is like, it depends on your kid. Obviously, if you have concerns about your child's language, talk to your pediatrician. This this might not work for every toddler. But if your toddler doesn't have serious delays, this could really work for them. 15 minutes of play with targeted language and communication. So that method, again, is in my course, link in show notes. Okay, so then we moved on to... 23 months and it's May. And so at this stage, the boys kind of were not sure about the slides of the playground, but they they got this confidence and they're going down the big kid slides. We also decided to start an herb garden and them to learn about the herbs, water them, and we could even pull them out and put them on our food, on our meals and on our dinner. That was kind of fun. And then at 24 months around June, it was finally warm enough that we could do all the fun water play that we wanted to do. I think at this time, the boys' favorite toys were their lawnmower toy. It has like a motor sound when they push it. It's really cool. And it's still their favorite toy. So I highly recommend that as a toy if you think your toddler would be into that. So and it and it blows bubbles too. Pretty cool. And they also really like their the water cans, like that they could kind of copy me pretending to water the plants and just like pouring water that helps them work on early conceptual math skills. So that is also really fun for them, but also it's good for their development. And of course, they loved puddles. So yeah, if there was a puddle anywhere, they were going to beeline to the puddle and try to jump and splash around. Good thing we invested in water shoes. Okay, at 25 months, it is July, 
where we live, that is very hot. I don't know about where you live. We decided to enroll the boys into swim lessons because my parents, their grandparents, they have a pool. And, you know, that makes me, it made me definitely nervous that they had a pool and that sometimes the boys go over there. And I just felt like we live at the beach. The boys need to learn how to swim. And there's just water too close for comfort, right? So they they need some swim lessons. So we started that. And that was really, that was, I'm so glad we did it because I feel like it was something that they were very unsure about in the beginning. But as we went to more swim lessons, they really blossomed with it and they really enjoyed it. It was probably one of our biggest highlights because some of the last lessons we took them to because it got cold and we decided we didn't want to be coming out of swim lessons freezing with the colder months we would end them and pick them back up next summer. You know, they were they were singing the songs, they were doing the water movements, they were grabbing onto the side of the pool, like tr- pulling themselves up, sitting on the the edge, and it just was it was just really really worth it. Challenging in the beginning, so I guess that's also something else or like a word of advice I have: if you're trying something with your toddler and it's like super challenging in the beginning, there are ways that we can kind of break it down, make it easier for them, the transitions easier for them. And if you stick with it, you can really see a change like in confidence in your toddler. I feel like the swim lessons was a major confidence builder, challenging in the beginning, but very confidence builder in the end after doing it for maybe the three three months that they did it. We also saw the pediatrician again, and it was like a very late two-year checkup. It was like a few months behind or, or two months behind when they would have been seen just because they were like backed up. But by, but that was good because by the time we went to see her, the boy's language was ahead and they did very well on that questionnaire assessment. So they they were able to increase their language skills and be able to say sentences and phrases, which I'll get a little bit more into at the end of this episode. I just want to bring something up about that. So yes, and that was using my 15 minutes to milestones method. Okay, and then at 26 months, we're in August, we still have the heat wave. (laughs) So we decided, you know, the boys were able to do a lot of things like in July, they, you know, we took them to see the fireworks, it showed that they could do the swim lessons. So we decided to also enroll them in Tinker Garden. It's like it's like this outside class where children learn about nature, but they also learn and work on different skills. And I absolutely loved it. We were asked a year before when the boys were around the age of one, a little over one, about it from, you know, somebody that we met at a park or something. They they like asked us, like they said they did it. And I really was like, I don't know if this is gonna work for them. It's like I would say though that at two was a great age. Yeah, a a lot of the kids that were in the class were probably a little bit older than that. Maybe they're like closer to three. But I will say that the boys being being a little over two, they really got a lot out of it. They really enjoyed it. And I really, really, really liked it. So that is something that maybe we would consider doing again. I like doing it during the warmer weather are in the fall when it's really nice out. So we really enjoyed that. We enjoy going to like the 
the outside area in the trees. It was it was actually really, really it got cold towards the end, but really enjoyed that. I think it was great experiences. And the things that we did are things like I normally wouldn't do. Like we were we made like nature paint and all these like really cool things with like berries and we went on like a hike and they did all these really cool different activities, very creative very imaginative. So I thought like a lot of the skills were really cool, but I like the fact that it works for a highly active toddler. Like they don't have to, you know, they don't have to sit down. They can stand up, they can run around, they can be themselves, but they can still learn and they can still interact with other kids, but it's outside. So it was really nice. And then in September at 27 months, we came upon a milestone. We we did not think that we maybe would. And that was that the boys we're able to play like when we like I think I mentioned before we went we like to go to kind of for family outings to outside areas where the boys could play and then we could also all sit and eat a meal and uh we just found that at that age they actually before you know with stranger danger and things like that like they did not want us to leave our side like we had to be glued to them at all times but we found that they were enjoying climbing up some of the play equipment, going down the slides, interacting with other kids while we sat at the table and relaxed and had a drink or ate something. But it was like, it was really awesome to see that, you know, I did not expect that to happen at that age, at 27 months. I was just picturing it to be a lot longer before they'd be comfortable with that. And so that milestone kind of was an emotional because I was like, wow, that is already happening. And here we are. So then we get to 28 months. It's October. It's starting to get a little chilly. The boys started being able to do way more crafts. Like they could, you know, it's pumpkin season. They were able to paint pumpkins and do different crafts and really kind of interact more. Because I did notice, like, especially when the boys are one, it felt like a lot of activities are made for older toddlers. There's not a lot out there for toddlers that are between the ages of one and two, but there's a lot more once you get to like closer to three, right? So, and I did feel like as they were getting closer to two and a half, they could do a lot more of the crafts and it was fun and enjoyable. They definitely love, you know, copying everything, the words we say, mannerisms and facial expressions, like really, really noticed that they were doing that a lot. That's why they say modeling is so important. Like we model the skills for our kids because they really are copying us in so many ways. At 29 months, we're in November and it's getting even colder out. They really just got into what they were into, which is mainly trucks. So I don't know about your toddler, what they're into, but they just really got into their toys a lot. Um, you know, now they're all, they're like a month away from being two and a half and they just really, really got into their toys. A lot more signs of cooperative play versus the parallel play, like just playing next to each other. They're actually interacting with each other more. And that's because they have the opportunity, which I talk a lot about in my course, Meltdown Mastery. And they love being active. Again, opportunity. They love k- kicking the soccer ball, hitting a baseball, like you know, all those things because they have the opportunity, not being forced to at all, just being exposed, opportunity and wanting to do it, which brings us to when they were two and a half, December. So in December, we definitely saw a big increase in imaginary play, 
you know, picking up the toy phone and pretending to say hello, playing car wash with cars and foam blocks, playing with little people toys and being imaginative. Speaking of toys, I also found at that age, we also had, you know, we had the holidays we had, and we celebrate Christmas. So we had that in December too. And just, you know, they've accumulated a lot more toys. So before, as I mentioned, you know, we threw everything in like a felt bin and like kind of just other bins, kind of random bins and put them in the closet. And that kind of was fine. That was no longer working anymore. And they had so many of similar things. We could really categorize their toys. So what I did was I just got a bunch of different felt bins and I printed out tags, you know, like these are cars, dinosaurs, people or dolls, stuffed animals, uh, you know, puzzles, like each different category and put those in the bin. That helps them identify and helps them clean up and ask for what they want to play with. But it also helped me organize because now they did have enough of each thing. And they did now, now they have a bunch of more small things. As I was talking before, the big things were so easy. Now they have more small toys, you know, they're closer to three. So all those little cars and like the little people and the little animals and like the toy food and all of that, like the pretend food and kitchen, like all those little pieces. So the bins really help out with the labels and it also helps them be more independent and ask. So that is kind of like the big difference I saw for that year. I also wanted to just like touch a few points and just say, you know, because I want to I want to talk a little bit before we end the episode, a little bit about Skylar and Jason, how they're different. And like, it's okay that toddlers are different, right? Because you might hear some of the things my toddlers are doing and say, oh, well, my toddler's not doing that yet. And then I don't want you to feel bad because every toddler is at their own stage, right? They're at their own journey, their own path, and no toddler is in the same place. Of course, like for milestones and language development, they do have what, like, what is the average? And like I said, talk to your pediatrician if you're concerned. But I just want to give this example because, you know, the boys, Jason, Skylar, they're in different spots. But just because they're in different spots doesn't mean they're always will be in different spots. And this is what I mean. Like Skylar always had more clear language, could could build sentences, and was way better at communication, right? And so Jace had less language, was really using where Skylar may have been using three to six words. Jace was maybe using one, maybe two. And a lot of his words were babble and was not very understandable. And I just remember, you know, filling out at the pediatrician's office, filling out the assessment on where they're at and saying, like, I had to mark, like, other adults can't understand, wouldn't be able to understand him. And she asked about that. She was like, are you saying, like, so he's not, you can't understand? I'm like, yeah, like. I know what he's saying because, you know, I'm used to being around him all the time. I know what he's saying, even if it's not, most people wouldn't be able to understand it. But she was just like, okay, yeah, we'll just keep an eye on that. And it, it's it's amazing because he went from that over a year or not even a year, even like six months, maybe pushing eight months. And 
he has a lot of the same language abilities now that Skylar has. So in some instances, it's just like our toddler is on a different time frame. They're on a different schedule and it will eventually even out. But every toddler is going to have their own strength. And still, Skylar's strength is still his language. That is one of his strengths. And that's just how it is. But Jace has, you know, his strengths might not be as much in the language area, but he definitely has it in other areas. And I think I've maybe mentioned that in some other podcast episodes with like, he's good at figuring things out, navigating his environment, very physically active, um, mobile, like gross motor skills and fine motor skills are really good. And, you know, his brother Skylar, who has the high language skills, looks at Jace, who has the high gross motor skills, and is like, how did he figure that out? How did he do that? So he looks up to him to try to figure out how he did that. So they each have their own skills, and that's okay. So that's just what I kind of want to say, because there can be comparisons, but, you know, I think it's it's okay to celebrate strengths, but not to get to that that place, especially for us as parents and feel down or bad about our toddler. Obviously, you know, if we are concerned, we can ask a pediatrician and talk to them about it. The other thing I wanted to say was across that time, the boys had a better understanding of boundaries and house rules, like we don't throw our milk cups. Okay, like, so I want to talk a little bit about that. And then they also went from always like, my gosh, I feel like the year was so challenging with them getting hurt because you know, they were always running into something, bonking their head. The boys are definitely like highly active all over the place. And then they're running into a corner in a cabinet or this, that. And we try to toddler proof as much as possible, right? Because there's a whole nother level of toddler proof, especially when you get to 18 months, two years. They're less likely to hurt themselves now, but they still have instances where they forget. But they are better at remembering like duck or you know, be careful around that corner or like, don't run into this. Like they're they're better at navigating their environment. But I will say that was one of the challenges of this year too. And just worrying about them. And uh, yeah, all all of those toddler stages. So, all right. So then I, I wanted to end with back to the boundaries and the house rules thing and why I think it's so important to stay consistent. So I have not taken down the Christmas tree yet, and that is on the list for this weekend. But okay, so I'm keeping it up like, like you know, past New Year's, just a little bit, and uh, and now I feel guilty for it because something happened. So the other day or night, my toddlers were pretending that chairs were super speed trains. Super cool, right? Well, they were lightning fast with those little chairs toddler chairs pushing them and they went right into the Christmas tree so fast it knocked the whole tree down. Christmas tree knocked down and everyone was okay. Luckily the tree did not fall on them. I had very few ornaments on it. I had ornaments at the top. Nothing broke. So and the boys are fine. You know, we still can have moments like that, but it's easy. It it, it can be easy to to And I think especially in this new year, as we have new goals, but we're also thinking about our toddlers, to remember the things, like in that situation, a parent could be frustrated, right, at their toddler, right? But it's important to remember, you know, 
what small wins happened. And I talk about that all the time in Meltdown Mastery, the listening skill toddler is the small wins because that is really a big mindset shift. It's like today, they may have knocked down the Christmas tree. However, <laughs> they did not throw their milk cups on the floor. The The boys love to throw. That's like their thing. They love throwing. So obviously, they're going to play some sport where they throw. We just need to channel that into a healthy throwing behavior, right? And have boundaries, have boundaries, have consistency, which we have been doing, and healthy outlets for throwing. But, you know, sometimes they will throw their milk cups on the floor and it will make a big sound when they do. It also, milk will spill everywhere. And uh, so that's why I've worked with them on replacement language. So instead of throwing it, we say, you know, you can say, take it. And I even will repeat, if I'm taking their cup, take it, take it. Thank you. It's very tempting for them to want to throw it on the floor because it's fun, right? The milk splatters everywhere. So that day they knocked down the Christmas tree. They handed their cups to me every time. And they, and they, they handed it to me. They said, take it. And their little toddler voice, and they said, Thank you, and gently handed me the cup. And so, remembering those small ones, okay, like, okay, today they did not throw their milk cups, they handed it to me, even if it's just one thing, right? Even if it wasn't all day, they did that, like the one, one time, right? Just finding that because when we notice positive behaviors, that's where we're really building a foundation for our toddler, reinforcing those things. And it really applies to us too. In the new year, you probably set intentions. It's easy to overlook our own small wins. And so I think it really relates like how we are to ourselves is how we could also be to our toddler, like the expectations we have. And not to forget that celebrating tiny successes for our toddler, for ourselves. And we're going to have a way better new year if we do that. And just think about how much your toddler has grown in the last year. Whether you can relate to some of the anecdotal stories that I have told from surviving twins from 18 months to two and a half years, whether you can relate to some of it or it's very different for you. Uh, I hope that you found this episode interesting and entertaining and <laughs> I will talk to you next week and next week's episode. And hopefully you've had some insights from the different phases, stages, why they happen and how they grow. All right. <laughs> Happy New Year. And I'll see you in the next week. And that wraps up another episode filled with tools and insights to help your parenting journey have clarity and ease. Remember, every child is unique and so is our experience, especially when there's more than one. Keep celebrating those small victories and learning along the way. I'm Heather, your Twin Mama Guide, and until next time, here's to raising skilled, self-regulated toddlers who listen, learn, and love. Take care and see you soon.